Welcome to the latest edition of Anyone, Anywhere, Anytime with me, Marshan Kenny. Well, Southern Miss Nation, I can't thank you enough. My wife, Angela, who produces the show, can't thank you enough for helping us hit that thousand plus subscriber mark on YouTube. So look for some big things in the future from the show with an extra special thanks to you. Well, as you know, fan comments are huge for this show and it's almost football season. So we're going to tease a little football in this next segment that we call Four and Out. Well, this week on Twitter, I asked the Southern Miss Nation, who is your favorite Southern Miss football player to watch and why? I had a lot of good answers. I don't get the four of them because that's the name of the segment. So here we go. Chuck Bonino said, the perfect 10, Reggie Collier. Watching him turn the corner and run away from the defense is still one of the prettiest things I've ever seen on a football field. He would be the number one pick in today's NFL draft. And yeah, Reggie Collier to me, is still the greatest football player to ever play at Southern Miss. Special talent. Next up, Joseph Riling. I loved watching Austin Davis. Just seeing how he grew as a quarterback over his time was something that was really fun to watch. Currently, I love watching Frank Gore Jr. And oh yeah, I'm ready for a Frank Gore Jr. for Heisman campaign uh, coming up. Let's, let's get after it, maybe. Next up, Jamie Arrington. He says to Quincy Scott, a former teammate of mine who I love playing with, he said about the Quincy, his attitude, effort, and energy were contagious, and I'm not sure he ever stopped running his mouth. And oh yeah, uh, DQ definitely kept me on my toes, and he was uh, definitely had some smack talk for the competition all the time. And finally, Jason Bailey from the famous To The Top Talk chimes in. He says, really tough choice here, but I got to go with Damian Fletcher. Couldn't tackle my man in a telephone booth. A touchdown threat every time he touched the ball. A nightmare for any would-be tacklers. And yeah, if you haven't seen that Fletcher flip, that run where he lands on his feet and keeps going, go to YouTube and check that out. It's quite a highlight. Well, as you know, the interviews are a huge portion of this show, and today's interview is going to be absolutely awesome as far as story time. And it comes from a guy who's covered Mississippi sports for over 50 years. He's an absolute living legend. So today's interview is with the one and only Rick Cleveland. Well, today's interview comes with the most awarded, decorated sports writer in the history of Mississippi. He is an absolute living legend. He's a friend of mine. He's, he's, he's a fan favorite. So today's interview comes with the one and only Rick Cleveland. And Rick, how you doing, man? I'm doing fine, buddy. I think, I think both of us are running a little bit on empty after last night, but uh, we'll, we'll, get it, we'll get it done. Oh, yeah. When this show comes out, if anybody doesn't know what we're talking about, we're at the, talking about game three of the Super Regional Southern Miss in Tennessee where we lost and the game didn't end until after midnight. And and uh, so Rick and I are going on fumes, but I'm pretty excited talking to Rick Cleveland, so I'll be OK. And, and, and Rick, looking you up, man, I've known you for a long time. I mean, some of your awards, I mean, you're in the Mississippi Sports Hall of Fame. You're in the Hattiesburg Hall of Fame. You're a 13 time Mississippi Writer of the Year. You've authored four books. I mean, you've covered Mississippi sports for over 50 years, Rick. I mean, looking at the accolades and everything you've done, your career, I mean, how does that make you feel? You know, I, I'll be honest with you, Marshawn. I've never felt like I was going to work. You know, this it's been a labor of love, and, that, and that's the honest truth. Uh, I grew up, you know, my daddy was 
a sports writer and then the sports information director at Southern Miss. His office was in that building right behind you in that picture. Uh, he, uh, you know, I, 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 it was ingrained in me at an early age. I just love, I, I, I love sports. I love writing. I love words. It was labor love. That's all I'm saying. Heck yeah, he was in your blood from an early age, born and raised in Hattiesburg. And speaking of your dad, Ace Cleveland, just all the details. At one time, he was a sports ed editor for the Jackson Daily News, the Hattiesburg American. I mean, he became the, P the PR director at Southern Miss. Uh, but but you had Southern Miss in your blood, I guess, a little bit early on. And so so how was that be being surrounded by the black and gold at, at a young age and all that sports well, right? <laughs> you know, what's funny is, and, and uh I don't know if even you know this, but I grew up uh, the four from the time I was three years old to the time I was seven. My backyard was the football field. We grew up in that dorm. Wow. Uh, my brother Bobby <laughs> and I grew up. Uh, my mom and dad were the proctors of the old rock, the East Stadium dormitory that's underneath the football stadium where the Eagle Walk is now. That was my front yard, and the and the football field was my backyard. So, you know, I didn't – and and it was the athletic dorm, so all, all my playmates and babysitters were the jocks. You remember Nick Kalinske? I do, I do. From Nick's Ice House and all that, uh, he, he, was, he was one of my babysitters. Well, I, I didn't know that backstory on your rig. I mean, the, the, the rock's right there, you know. My backyard's a normal, you know, trees and stuff. You got the rock as a backyard. I had the rock, and across the street was the old sports arena, which is where they played basketball. And to the north was um, where they practice football now, but was the baseball field back when I was growing up. and. Um, Back behind us, sort of uh, caddy corner to the to the West Stadium dorm was the campus swimming pool. Um, the tennis courts were right across the way. I mean, you know, it was just it was preordained that I was going to do what I do. As soon as I found out I was not going to be able to hit a curveball, which <laughs> that's what every kid wants to do, right? Oh, uh, Rick, now. Now, you wind up going to Southern Miss and uh, get your degree from there. And while you're at Southern Miss, I mean, you, you're working with the Hattiesburg American. You're doing what you love. I mean, how was that being in school and at the same time working with the Hattiesburg American, doing all that storytelling? It was pretty crazy because, you know, my dad was the sports information director. So a lot of times, you know, I was trying to get stories that he didn't necessarily want me to get, you know. Uh, but we had a, we, we had a great working relationship, and, and he knew what my job was, and I knew what his job was. And, uh, you know, it worked all right. All right. I was uh, – I took uh, – I mean, my the guy that sat behind, beside me in English was Ray Guy. In fact, I'll take some credit for him passing freshman English. He was, uh, I saw, you know, firsthand 
um, him perform some of the most incredible athlete athletic feats that any human being has ever performed. <laughs> you know, he, I saw him kick that 93 yard punt that went 117 yards. I saw him kick a 61 yard field goal into a snowstorm. Um, saw him pitch a, uh, one, a, well, a no hitter that was one walk away from being a perfect game. Uh, you know, there wasn't anything Ray couldn't do. Wow. And, you know, even to this day, Ray Guy is the greatest punter in the history of football, period, not just college or NFL football, period. And did you know you were watching something special right there that this guy is is going to be an absolute legend? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it was it was more than that. I mean, he just he was walking across campus one day and they were having where the band practices now they were having a the intramural track meet. And they were having a softball throw and he's just walking past and he asked the guy that was running it, am I eligible for this? You know, I'm a varsity athlete. They said, well, there's no varsity softball throw. Sure. You're eligible. And they toss in the ball. He doesn't even warm up or anything. He just throws it 339 feet. It's, 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 it's still the record by over 30 feet. Wow. For the, you know, I mean, it's stuff. He beat the Chinese guys at ping pong in the intramural ping pong tournament. He was just, he was different. Ping pong too. I mean, I've heard all these Ray guys stories. Ping pong's new to me, Rick. <laughs> no, he was, he was, um, I mean, he was like Forrest Gump, man. Oh man. Yeah. He, everything, anything and everything. Look back at that story career. And that's awesome. You got to know him as well as you did. And, and, and Rick, it was so much fun doing homework on you, looking at your history. Um, and I, I, speaking of the time you're at the Hattiesburg American, you're 17 years old and you get an, an order, a job to do to go find Bear Bryant in Tuscaloosa and sit oh. down with the great legend of, of football coach and Bear Bryant. How was that 17 driving out to go see uh, the, the great Bear Bryant? Well, Marsha, I had finally made enough money. I started at the Hattiesburg American when I was 13, but I saved up enough money to buy a 1971 Ford Pinto would sounded like a sewing machine and ran like one. Um, and I got, I got just to the other side of Meridian and had a flat tire. It's early September. It's 105 degrees, you know, asphalt. Uh, and I was having trouble changing the tire. I was late. Getting to Tuscaloosa, I had grease all over me, sweat, sweated through my clothes. Uh, got there, and his press conference had just ended. And I walk in and find the guy that did at Alabama what my dad did at Southern. We was a sports information director. I said, Mr. Thornton, it was Charlie Thornton. I said, Mr. Thornton, if I don't talk to if I don't talk to Bear Bryant, they gonna fire me. And, I mean, that a little pressure. Just a little pressure. <laughs> it, it wasn't true, but he said, "Let me see what I can do." And he walked walked down the hallway and came back and said, "I got, I got some really good news for you. You got bear. You got Coach Bryant to yourself." He takes me back into Bear Bryant's office. His desk is as big as an end zone. He's got his socked feet up on his desk. He's got a box of barbecue ribs sitting beside him, and he's eating lunch. 
and, and he shoves the box over to me and says, here, buddy, have a, have a rib. And I said, coach, I look at me. I can't, I got grease. I mean, you know, I can't do that. And well, he said, well, what you got, what you need? And I said, you know, I thought the whole way over there about what I was going to ask him, what we were going to talk about. And I froze, Marshawn. I just froze. You know, he was bigger than Lot. It's it's Bear Bryant. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, he, 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 he yeah. was bigger than the president in the Deep South. You know, he Literally. really was. <laughs> and, and he, there's a real pregnant pause, and he looks at me, and then his lips kind of curl into a grin. And he said, Oh shit, son. And and that just immediately woke me up and we had the greatest conversation. Uh, you know, I he Mr. Thornton probably probably expected me to take about 10 minutes. I was in there for an hour. Wow. An hour with Bear Bryant. And then we get through and he says, well, I got to go to practice. Do you, you, you want to come out there with me? And I said, sure. We go get in his golf cart right out to the practice field. He drives right up to that tower that he coached from. You remember the coach Brown's oh. tower? He says, come on up here. I watched the practice with him up on the tower. It was unbelievable. Oh, and, Rick. I mean, you're 17 years old. Not only doing a story, you, you just hanging out with Bear Bryant, man. Yeah, but the legend. <laughs> people ask me all the time, "Who's your favorite coach?" You and it's all I, I always got to go with Bear Bryant. <laughs> I, I mean, for as big a stature as he is, to, to just kind of take you under your wing, run you around practice, hanging out. I mean, it's hard to argue with that story, man. <laughs> when I finally left, he said, "Give me your notebook," and I gave him my notebook, and he wrote down something, and I and he handed it back to me. He said, "You got a flat tire, right?" And I said, "Yes, sir." He said, "Well, you go see this man right here and tell him I sent you." I, I drove right over there. The guy fixed my flat, did everything, vacuumed my car, said, I said, well, how much do I owe you? And he said, if Coach Bryant sent you, you don't owe me nothing, son. Wow, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. I, mean, I love that story. I wanted the people to definitely hear that one because that's the beauty of Rick Cleveland, telling stories, man. And, and, and Rick, kind of getting to what you do, man, you just know it as one of the greatest storytellers in history in Mississippi. What would you say the key to being a good storyteller and a good writer is some of the keys or maybe one or two. Well, my daddy, when I was 13 years old and covered my first high school football game in uh, Brooklyn and Loosedale, by the way. And um, we get back to the house and he just leaves me alone at the typewriter. And uh he walks out of the room and he comes back in about 30 minutes later. Um, I, th I think it was to check on me. He said he was going to fix him another drink, but I think he was checking on me. And uh, that, that white clean sheet of paper was still white and clean. I hadn't written a word. And he, he said, he said, well, I can't really say what he said. <laughs> <laughs> he, said, he said, what's wrong, son? We'll do, we'll do the unedited version and, later, Rick. <laughs> and those, 
in 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 more profane terms and and i said dad i can't get started and he said well son if i was you i'd just kind of try to write it the way i would tell it write write the story like you're telling someone and i proceeded to do just that and um it wasn't a great story but it 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 told what happened in the game and it didn't didn't libel anybody and it had no four letter words in it. And, um, but it, that advice I still use and still tell young writers today is, is to write it the way you tell it. Because if you're, if you're, if you're telling a story, like if I'm telling you a story, you're telling a story to a friend. You want to get to the most important stuff first. You want to grab the attention. And then you're going to keep telling the story um, in a way to try to keep your attention and entertain, not only inform you, but entertain you. You know, that's that's what we do. That's what storytellers do. And so, you know, I still use that. In fact, I used it last night, writing about Scott Berry's final game. You know, I thought, what, how do I, I just need to tell the story, what happened. Like I was telling it to my daddy or telling it to my wife. And that, and that's what I tried to do. And that's, that's what I think all good storytellers do. You know, oh, that's great stuff right there. And, uh, Speaking of stories, I mean, you've told so many and told them so well. It, it may be hard to ask this question, but are there one or two that really stick out that impacted you uh, on almost every level? Oh, man. You know, you know, I'm a columnist now, so I write, you know, most of what I do is personal. Most of what I write about has some personal or opinion slant to it. And, you know, um, I remember writing a column about Ace, my daddy, after after he passed. And then, you know, last summer I wrote about my brother, Bobby, after he passed. And I guess if, if you're talking about the most, the ones that meant the most to me, it would probably be, you know, probably be those two. Um, you know, I remember lots of stories about great games, great athletes, and stuff like that. But those are the two that hit closest to home. Willie Morris, the great Mississippi writer, wrote North Toward Home and My Dog Skip and uh, The Courting of Marcus Dupree and so many other great books. He he once told me, he said, Ricky, you knew you remember this. We write best about what we care about most. And I and I, I think there's a lot to that. And so maybe that's why, you know, what I wrote about my daddy and my brother, you know, mean the most to me. But, you know, I, again, you know, I go to games for a living. It's, it's all right. It's not, you know, I, my daddy told me when I was 13, I told him I wanted to be a sports writer. He said, son, I'm going to tell you one thing. If you can do that, if you're smart enough to do that and do it well, you can make a whole lot more money 
doing something else. And here we are, we're 57 years later, and I tell you, he was dead on the money. <laughs> I could have made a lot more money, but I don't know that there's anything else I could have done where I would have had more fun and met more great people. Oh, you know. man. And, and Rick, you got to think of the amount of lives you've impacted, the amount of coaches, athletes that you got to interact with. I mean, what 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 a just incredible career, man. And your career took you to be the Hattiesburg American sports editor for a while and the Clarion Ledger sports editor for a while. So how, how was working at those uh, in those two arenas as, as, as the sports editor? Well, Hattiesburg was such a great training ground for me. Old time. Hattiesburg people will remember the editor Leonard Lowry who hired my daddy and and then 30 something years later hired me um and he he was a great teacher I worked with a lot of uh, terrific people in Hattiesburg it was an odd situation again being the sports editor in a college town where your daddy did the public relations for the college. You know, that, that was an interesting thing. Uh, um, but again, a lot of my best lessons I ever learned about journalism and writing were from my dad. And he knew what my job was, even when I, I would write something that might make the Southern coaches and fans not happy with me. But, it, you know, my daddy understood what my job was. And so it, it was an it was an interesting situation. Then I'm, I actually went to Monroe, Louisiana for a year in between Hattiesburg and coming back to Jackson. And I was a sports editor over two. It was a two newspaper town and I was over the uh, both papers there. And then when I got the opportunity to come back to Jackson, I, I, I jumped at it. and. Um, um, you know, my first two jobs at the Clarion Ledger were covering um, first Mississippi State for two years and then Ole Miss for two years. And then I got into the uh, column writing and being the editor. So it, it was, you know, I, I had great training grounds, let's put it that way. Yeah, definitely did that. And I guess kind of getting a little Southern Miss specific here. I mean, you've seen a lot of players come through here, a lot of great players, great, great guy story you had earlier. What's some maybe other players, some moments, some interviews? I mean, so many sports you covered, but maybe something that stick out. You know, I wouldn't, we just watch baseball. So I'll talk about that. Um, Pete Taylor, the guy the ballpark's named for, was like my uncle. Uh, you know, he and dad were great friends and, uh, you know, I covered Southern Miss baseball, Marshawn. Uh, my first job was actually when I was seven years old, my first paying gig was to chase down foul balls at the old ballpark because they couldn't afford to give away baseballs, you know. In fact, at the end of the seasons, back then they used wooden bats and they were nailed. By the end of the season, they were nailed together because they couldn't afford any new bats, you know. Um, but – and back then, uh, most of the baseball players were 
were football players and basketball players. There were no like scholarship baseball players. They, they were just athletes who came out for baseball. And um, I remember one of the best best hitters I've ever seen was a guy named Wilson Plunkett that came to Southern as a fullback from South Carolina. Um, he could hit it nine miles in any direction, left-handed swinger. Yankees drafted him early and, and tried to make him into a uh, dead pool hitter because of the porch in right field at Yankee Stadium, and that didn't work out. You know, I saw a guy pitch. Southern had a great catcher who was a linebacker in that great linebacker tradition at Southern Miss. There's been so many of them, uh, present company included. But his name was Doug Satcher. He went on and played, went on and played in the NFL, but as a catcher, he was just amazing. And he was also, a, a, you know, a slugger, hit home runs. He uh, one time they were playing Ole Miss on the old baseball field, and the Ole Miss guy ran at third and was going to run him over. You know, he's blocking the play. He's going to run him over, and I mean, it was like this: guy just fell out, just mm. ran into him and fell backwards. Out. I'll never forget it. Uh, Satcher was great. Um, you know, and then you follow up, you follow up Pete Taylor with Hill Denson, one of the great characters ever in Mississippi sports and and uh and a heck of a baseball coach as well. And then you follow him with Corky Palmer. My goodness. I grew up with Corky. We were both catchers in Little League together. He was the American League All-Star catcher, and I was the National League All-Star catcher. And, um, you know, grew up with him. And, and then you follow him with Scott Berry. My goodness. Yeah. I mean, Scott Berry could be a lousy baseball coach, and he'd still be one of the greatest people ever. I mean, just, just the epitome – of class and a, and a gentleman and uh so and that's just one sport you know you go to basketball and you talk about lee floyd and and mk turk you know and and it's so nice to see now jay ladner having some success having played for mk there's a continuity at work there you know um uh, 64 years, Southern Miss, four baseball coaches. Think about that. I had Hill on this show not too long ago, and, and Scott Berry before that. And it, it's amazing, man. I mean, do you, do you attribute those kind of topics to the success of Southern Miss baseball? Just had been much attrition at coaching. It's it's um, there's something to be said for continuity now. I mean. You, I think if you look at football at Southern Miss over the last few years since Coach Bauer, since Jeff, who I went to school with at Southern too, um, you can see what what constant turnover can do to a, a program. I mean, when you were there and, and Jeff had it really going, uh, I, I, I still, you know, I still think – it's maybe the worst move that's ever been made at Southern Miss. 
it's definitely still a hot topic to this day. <laughs> well, it's, you, know. It, 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 you know, I think people thought that it had gotten stagnant. Well, you know, stagnant at seven, eight wins a year and uh, playing most of the time six or seven, sometimes eight on the road. Give me that stagnant anytime, you know. Yeah, I mean, 18 straight winning seasons. And, uh, and you know, real, real quick, you, train of thought here, talking about Coach Bauer. He was on a team in the 70s where the Rock was being renovated, and they didn't play one home game and finish seven and four. I mean, Rick, talk about that season. Finished seven and four, and they ended the season against BYU in Jackson. BYU was nationally ranked. They were 20th in the nation at the time. Big Gifford Nielsen was the quarterback for them. And Southern beat them 42 to 14. I mean, and, and that's the 11th game of a season when you played 11 times away from home. <laughs> um, yeah. I know how well you got to know Bobby Collins when, when you were. At, oh, I, I did very well. Love Bobby Collins. I mean, this is an awesome man. He, he's a great football coach. I mean, just uh, uh, from an X's and O's standpoint, but also just as a leader and a guy that that uh, um, got the most out of every everybody he had. I mean, they got the most out of everybody. And Jeff, Jeff was a terrific quarterback. He ran the option. He could really throw it. He had been an all-state football player, basketball player, and baseball. He was three-sport all-state in Georgia and uh, signed with Georgia, signed with Vince Dooley, and got there and figured out they weren't going to throw it more than three or four times a game. Uh, So he he transferred referred to Southern Miss, and, and he really had a nice career, married the head cheerleader. and Oh, yeah, a power couple in Hattiesburg. <laughs> yeah, right. It was a, a, a power couple, a, a Bauer power couple. In Bauer power. Good, good yeah. word, Ray, Bauer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so um, some of those teams he had, too, including the team, the team that beat Pitt, so bad in the Liberty Bowl. I mean, I, I think to this day that might be the greatest Southern Miss team of all time. Rick, that coming from you, that means the world to me, man. They, you know, they still talk about that team a lot to this day, man. Made a painting about it, Rick. They got it on a painting. It's um, it's yeah. I mean, you know, Gideon and Pinkston on the outside and. What, you had three NFL linemen in front of you, right? Shoot, I mean, 10 of the 11 starters went to the NFL on on defense in one form or fashion, including me. Uh, It it was just, when you look back at it, I mean, Pat Sertan is one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play, the greatest probably for Miami Dolphins. The talent was everywhere. Delius Thomas, T.J. Slaughter, (laughs) my goodness. But what's so amazing about it, Marshawn, is when you go back and look at those guys and how they were recruited, very few of them. Very, very few of them were really highly recruited players. Me included. <laughs> Me yeah. included. I mean, you know, it, it was like, 
I don't know that you can do the same thing today because of all the summer camps, you know, that all the high school players go to. There are not that many, quote, diamonds in the rough anymore. But, man, Jeff and his staff found them. And they found, you know, like, shit, get, uh, Adelius Thomas, you know. But they really, really recruited him off the basketball court. You know, that's where he was a high school basketball player. And, you know, they bring him in, put him in a college rate room and on a college training table. And all of a sudden, you know, six, six, three and 210 and six, five and 255 and can run like a halfback. And then all of a sudden down the road on the cover of ESPN, the magazine, I mean, he just, he became a phenomenon in the NFL, man. And, yeah. um, and Rick, th thanks for sharing those stories. And it, it, uh, really on a personal level here, man, I, I want to share something personally with you, man. Um, you may not know how much you impacted my life. So back in 1994, you know, I mean, people knew my name as a football player, but, you know, they didn't know the story behind me. They, they you know, so you found out about my story. You know, my mom had committed suicide. My dad had died in prison. I had no brothers, sisters. I'm being raised in a boy's home by a nun before I get to Southern Miss. You find this story and you put it on the cover of the Clarion Ledger. And it, it almost makes me tear up. It, it, it changed my life because people got to know me. So from a personal level, that story alone, you literally changed the life. And Sister Frances, the nun would come to campus and get treated like a celebrity. And, uh, you know, because we were the, the nun-son duo, what have you. And, but, Rick, from, from the bottom of my heart, you know, you, you, you changed my life, literally. The story got out. Who, who wouldn't love a storyline? I mean, you don't – those are stories that cross university uh, loyalties and things. Those are stories – your story is a story that, you know, an, an Ole Miss fan, a State fan, a Jackson State fan, I, I mean – those are stories that go beyond school loyalties. And, and that's, that's really what I'm always trying to find, you know? Yeah. It, like I said, from, from a personal level, I wanted, you know, you, you literally impacted and changed my life in Hattiesburg because people got to know the guy behind the helmet. And uh, yeah. you've done that to so many people, right? So it many was, people. It, so many it was a hell of a story. And, and, um, uh, I'm just glad I never had to carry the ball with you on the other side. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it. Because you would ever more hit people. <laughs> I appreciate that, Rick, man. And, uh, you know, like I said, coming from you, that means more just about anybody because you've seen a lot of good players, man. Um, Rick, I kind of want to ask you a funny question. And, and, and I was in media for a while at WDAM for about three years, and and you, you've interacted with coaches through the years and their good and their bad moments. Oh, yeah. How is it when you got to get a story and you got to interview a coach, but this guy's either having a meltdown or he's having a bad day? Man, how, how are those moments for you, Rick? <laughs> you know, you know I've, I've had a million of them. I'm, I, mean, <laughs> I, was, I was interviewing Emory Blard. You know that name. Great, great coach, invented the wishbone. Um, he was coaching at Mississippi State, and they uh, they got beat on the la on uh, – they lined up for a field goal. You you may have seen the film of it. Uh, 
Artie Cosby was kicking point-blank field goal to win the game against Ole Miss. And he kicked it perfect, and it went right up above the crossbar. Just an 80-mile-an-hour straight gust of wind comes in and blows it straight up in the air and back, and they lose. And so I go up to and I mean, you know, I'm approaching the guy on the field. He just lost to his arch rival. It caused him to have a losing season. Um, you know, you know the feeling. It, you know, anybody who's been in competition knows the feeling. And I, you know, I, I always try to show some empathy when I'm talking to somebody like that. And I say, Coach, I don't even know what to say. And Emory looked at me and he said, he said, I'll tell you what you can say. You put this in your damn newspaper. He said, God just decided that Mississippi State wasn't going to win that game. <laughs> God had a hand in it. <laughs> How are you going to beat God? <laughs> <laughs> You you found out God decides football games. Well, I guess that's what it is. <laughs> but I think it's important for – and I try to impress upon this back at Claire and Ledger when we had a huge sports staff and I had a lot of young people working for me. I tried to impress upon them. you got to understand this is their livelihood, their jobs. They, they put 365 days a year into this. you got to understand they're emotional and and – the best way to handle them is to show some em empathy. I mean, don't just, you know, walk. I could have walked up to him and say, put, put my tape recorder in his face and said, how does it feel to lose a game like that? You know, yeah. I might have gotten hit, you know. <laughs> but, but anyway, I just think that sports writers need to – I mean, none of these Mississippi jobs is an easy job. I mean, Southern, you know, you're in the SEC's footprint. You're fighting that before you fight anything else. Rick, you must be reading my mind. I have a question for you that I was about to ask you. Yeah. So when I get a kick out of Southern Miss fans, and me, me too, we're in SEC country at Ole Miss and Mississippi State, and you've been writing sports for years. How many times have you dealt with angry Southern Miss fan not getting enough coverage? You know, Ole Miss and State getting too much coverage. I always got a kick out of that. Man. <laughs> well, I get I, – I mean, you know, the Ole Miss fans, you know, think I'm a, you know, a, a Southern fan. The State fans think I'm an Ole Miss fan. And the Southern fans a lot of times think I'm a traitor. So, <laughs> you know. I, you can't win. You just got to be true to yourself. You got to write what you see. And uh, sometimes that's going to be great for Southern Miss, and sometimes it's not going to be. And same goes for Ole Miss and State. But, uh, you know, back to what I was talking about, Ole Miss and State, you know, they are in the SEC, but those are tough jobs too because, you know, you're in the same division with Alabama, Auburn, Arkansas, LSU, um, Mississippi State, and you Texas A&M, and you're fixing to have Texas and Oklahoma. I mean, you got to – every once in a while as a sports writer, 
as a columnist, you've got to cut them some slack because those are not, it's not easy jobs. And, um, you know, that's just been my, my philosophy on it. Uh, I've had great, great friends that were coaches at Ole Miss State and Southern. I got great friends that are fans of all three, and Jackson State and Alcorn. You know, I don't want to slight them. And I understand, I, I think I have an understanding of what all the schools in Mississippi face. We're a small state. Uh, population-wise, we're a poor state financially. We're divided way too many ways. And I, I just think you, you've got to take that into consideration when you're writing about the, the teams. That's a great way to put it. And thank you for your take on that, too. And, and Rick, you, you know, you've been just writing for a while now, and you've seen the transition from newspaper to social media now, which is really your outlet a lot. How is that transition going from when I, I used to love to read a newspaper, but now, you know, I'm on my phone, we're getting my news. How's that transition been for you with the media? Well, it's crazy. I started I started out writing on a manual typewriter. I still, when I'm typing on my computer, I hit the keys so hard that I have to they have to change my uh, keyboard out every once in a while. <laughs> I love and when you, when you when you get on deadline and everything, you revert back to what you learned. And I, man, I used to hit you hit them pretty hard when you're on deadline. And now, you know, you're really as a sports writer, you're on call 24 hours a day because of social media. You never know. You never know what's going to break where and what time of the night or anything and no matter how outlandish any viral post is on twitter if you're doing your job you got to check it out even if it sounds ridiculous because sometimes it turns out to be true you know so it's changed everything it's it's changed everything and you know i i wish we could I wish we could go back to the way it used to be with traditional newspapers and you you had in most cases professionals producing the news and not just anybody who had access to Twitter, you know. And I wish it could go back to that, but that cat's out of the bag. That ain't happening. Um I want to talk about the Mississippi Sports Hall of Fame. I mean, you're in it, and I, I saw your speech, man. You brought me to tears watching your speech, Rick, and uh, it, was, it was just such an honorable thing for you. Finally, you, you long overdue, if you ask me. And uh, But you were the executive director, too, of the Mississippi Sports Hall of Fame from 2012 to 2016. How has that been being so intimate to that, that Hall of Fame with, with guys and athletes and coaches that you know so well? I mean, you know, family, friends. And just seeing the progression of these athletes, he's big Jerry Rice, Walter Payton. I mean, just some of the biggest names ever. Yeah, well, it you know, the, it, in 2011, I think December 2011, my good friend Michael Rubenstein, who had been part of a group that I was part of that actually lobbied and got the Hall of Fame building, you know, the, the museum established in, in, in Jackson, right out there on Lakeland Avenue. 
And then and Michael was the only executive director it ever had, and he passed away in December of 2011. At the same time, Gannett, the company that owned the Clarion Ledger and the, and the Hattiesburg American, was offering everybody in their 82 newspapers a buyout if they had 25 years of service and were 50, 50 years or older. Well, I had way more years of service and I was quite older than, than 55. So um, at the, the direct, the uh, chairman of the board of the Hall of Fame called me. I was on the way to Ole Miss to cover another football coaching change. It was pouring down rain and everything, and I answered the phone. I answered my cell phone, and he says, "Cleveland, how would you like to be the new executive director of the Sports Hall of Fame?" And I thought to myself, "I said, no, I'm 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 a sports writer. I'm not I'm not going to do that." And then I. I thought about it on the way to Oxford, and I thought about it all the way home. That buyout included a year's salary and a year's benefits for doing nothing. And the Hall of Fame offered me considerably more money than I was making at the Clarion Ledger. So I just decided to do it. I, I, I decided to do it, and I'm glad I did. I had four great years there. But it's the only four years of my life where I felt like I was going to work. Oh. <laughs> you know, it's a 24,000-square-foot museum that's open six days a week, 52 weeks a year out of the year. And we had a staff of four people. And you, you can do the math. And, and although my, my title was executive director, it could just as well have been chief fundraiser. So, you know, part of, part of the job is going around and asking people for, for money because we were a 501c3. We, we, we were not not-for-profit operation. We didn't take state funding. So um, I, I did it for four years. I'm glad I did it. I, I truly think I left it better than I found it, as Joe Paul would say. Uh, and um, But... I'm back writing full time. I've got the best job I've ever had. And uh, and I'm still a huge supporter of the Mississippi Sports Hall of Fame. And I'm and I want it to I want it to prosper and continue to tell these amazing stories about some of the greatest athletes who ever lived who just happened to do it here in Mississippi. Oh heck yeah, and uh, and, and one cool dynamic getting to see you, Rick, and give some updated things you're up to right now. You currently have a podcast with your son, Tyler, the Rick and Cleveland show and uh, the Rick, Rick and Tyler show. And uh, how's that been working with your son, Tyler, and, and, and telling all these stories together? It's probably the most fun I've had in my professional career. You know, you got your boy and you're just talking sports on the paying us to do it, you know. <laughs> what's what's wrong with that and it's just you know and he's very knowledgeable and he covers high school sports mostly and um 
you know, I've been doing it for 57 years and I covered college and pros and we just bat things back and forth. We have interesting guests on and, um, yeah, I, I didn't want to, you know, when they first at, when Mississippi today asked first asked me to do it, I said, you know, everybody's starting to have podcasts. I'm, I'm a, I'm a writer. I, I don't really want to do that. And then they kept asking me and finally I said, what would it take for you to do this? And I said, well, what about if my son and I did it together? And there, there, and we, I guess we've been doing it now for uh, two years. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's great stuff. Anybody watching this show, Crooked Letter Sports is the official name with, with Rick yeah. Cleveland and Tyler Cleveland. I, I listened to the one with Hill Denson. I mean, this is good stuff. So go check it out, everybody, if you get a chance. You know, I, I think they should build a statue for one day. So. Well, they should. And and they should uh, for Corky, too. And, 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 and definitely for Scott. He's the all-time winningest coach there. I mean, my good – Scott Corky Hill, it's it's the run we've had with these three, man. And and Coach I is going to be a heck of a coach, but it, it's like, man, it, it just can't get any better. And Southern Miss baseball has progressed because of it to back-to-back supers. Well, listen, with Oz, I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, this season might be his best coaching job he's ever done and you know last year he put six guys in the major league draft they lost some pitching from last year yep six guys to the draft one guy to uh tommy john surgery and another in the transfer portal to florida who's going to be a top 10 draft pick you know uh you lose eight frontline pitchers high quality pitchers and you come back and win 46 games. That that is truly remarkable. Yeah, there was a point mid season it was like, well, you know, we're not struggling, but just where's this going? And all of a sudden, man, just great coaching. It, that, it, great coaching means so much, man. A guy like Coach uh, Coach Barry, yeah, he, he, he pieced it together, and um, some of those guys, you know. Hit the, Billy Oldham, what a great story. Transfer from Eastern Connecticut State. And now here he is out there, uh, you know, Saturday pitching game one of a super regional against Tennessee mm-hmm. and, and mowing them down. You know, it's just. Yeah, incredible coaching job this year with all of the pitching losses. and uh, But one thing about Southern Miss, you know, them um, – the SBC, what kind of impact has that made in your eyes for Southern Miss? Because I, I think it's made just one of the best things happened to them in years. <laughs> I, I started writing five or six, I get maybe even longer than that, maybe seven, eight years ago that that's where Southern needed to be. Not going to get in the SEC. That's, I mean, it, it could have, could well have happened 50 years ago. You know, but it, it it's not going to happen now. Uh, and the Sun Belt is more regionally located. There's some really like-minded schools in that. It's a bus league rather than a jet league. It, it just it 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 makes 
all the sense of the world. The rivalries that are going to be with um, Louisiana, Lafayette, South Alabama, Troy. Um, you know, the one thing I would change, I, I would love to see Louisiana Tech in it. I, I've said that to a lot of people. You know, whether Southern Miss fans, they don't get along with them. It, it's a it's a rival. It'd be part, it'd be great. It'd be great. Well, that's, that's, that's what sports is, isn't it? I mean, thank you, Rick. Thank you. <laughs> what what uh, what Southern Miss has lacked as much as the SEC millions over the years, compared to Ole Miss and State, is they've lacked that rivalry that Ole Miss and State have, which brings year-round interest to the program. And, I, you know, I'm not saying that Louisiana Southern Miss or South Alabama Southern Miss is going to reach the, the interest level of, of, of the Egg Bowl, but, but it's better than FIU Southern Miss and Texas El Paso Southern Miss, you know. It's got a chance. Uh, I've said this the last two or three years we were in Conference USA, man. Rick, I got to be honest, I could have cared less what any other team really did in that conference. Now, all of a sudden, we're in the Sun Belt. I mean, I'm living Lafayette, Louisiana, mixing up with Raging Cajun fans out there. You know, a lot of people from the Gulf Coast area mixing up with South Alabama and Troy. It just it brings rivalries. It, it just That's what you got to have. You really do. Yeah. I mean, is it? Is is it Louisiana that plays a Thursday night game in Hattiesburg this year? This past season played Thursday night, and I think yeah. returned the favor there. They this played coming season. There. We, this coming season. I mean, that's that's a, well, you know how long it's three hours? What three uh, three hours? Three three, 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 three fifteen. fifteen. Pen how fast you drive? Yep. <laughs> straight down inter. I mean, it's interstate all the way. I mean, that's. That's going to be a fun rivalry for a long time in baseball, basketball, and football. Heck, yeah, yeah. The Cajuns in, in Southern Miss, man, I love it. I'm a Louisiana guy, so I really love it. Hey, Rick, tell me what you take on something. I mean, you've seen a lot of transition from sports through the years. and uh, But, you know, nowadays we've got the NIL and the transfer report. What's your take on those two topics and the impact it's made on college sports? I, I hate it. I don't. I, I mean, that's three three words. I hate it, and I and I do, and I do think something had to happen with coaches making seven, eight, nine million dollars a year, and players just getting the cost of tuition. I don't. I don't think that was equitable. But what we've got now, I mean, I mean, let's just let's take baseball. What if Hurston Waldrop was in that rotation this week? I, I was saying that all day yesterday. This is a different series. We got Waldrop on the map. <laughs> well, I mean, and you know, I, I did a, I, I was doing some research yesterday or day four yesterday. Top three pitchers in the SEC: Skeens at LSU, uh, the guy that Southern faced. Saturday from Tennessee. I'm not pulling up his name right now. And and Waldrop. They're all quite possibly top 10, top 15 draft picks. The Tennessee guy transferred there from Georgia Southern. 
the LSU guy who throws it 100, what, 103, 104? He transfers from Air Force. Waldrop, we all know where he transferred from. I just hate – I just hate to see the deal to where mid-level schools recruit, train, diamonds in the rough, which they all three were, and get them to a point where they're really difference makers. And then somebody just comes in and throws a few few thousand bucks at them. Sometimes it's, it's hard to really enjoy a, a football experience. You know, I'm a diehard Southern Miss fan. The bowl game last year, you know, Frank Gore Jr. went absolutely nuts and broke the FBS record for yards. But my brain immediately after the game is like, shoot, who's going to pick him up? You know, it, but instead of enjoying it, I'm like, man, we're going to lose him. But thankfully, he did a great thing and announced he's staying, which was really cool. I mean, you don't see that enough nowadays. And But, man, it's just it, – it's. It's well, he, tough, turned, man. he turned down a bunch of money. Yeah, to stay at Southern Miss. And that, I tell you what, what a, what a guy to do that, you know, and then to, to be loyal to Southern Miss, man. And it, well, Tanner, it was awesome. Hall was, Tanner Hall did the same thing. I mean, he I, – I don't think there's any great secret that LSU came after him hard. And, and he was – I mean, you're going to have – Especially in a program like Scott Berry ran, you're going to have some guys that are going to be loyal that aren't that aren't going to take the money and run. And I'm and I'm sure Southern put together some kind of package for him. But I'm I, I I I've been doing this 57 years. I know that package wasn't LSU's package. <laughs> yeah, but like they say at Southern Miss, we do more with less. Always have. <laughs> yeah, but but there's you know you you hope you'll see more. Stories like Tanner Hall and and and, and Frank Gore, we, we just have to see. It, it's just changed the whole landscape, and uh, in my opinion, not for the better. I mean, we can take it to the Ole Miss State rivalry. Uh, Ole Miss and State are playing this year. The guy making key plays for Ole Miss a year ago was making for Mississippi State. Uh, I'm still going to go to games. I'm still going to watch them on TV. But college sports has kind of lost some of its luster to me because of it. And um, and I'll tell you another thing that hit me this week is the way ESPN jacked around the starting times and everything and held them hostage. I mean, you know, you got – I mean, you had people down here from Tennessee who were trying to book flights and didn't know when to book them. You don't – you find out – you find out Monday's starting time in the last hour of Sunday night. That's, just, that's, that's not the way college sports was meant to be. And ESPN is like the puppet master. It's just – you know, directing this puppet show. And I, I I don't like that either. Yeah. And and if there is one take from it that I do feel somewhat good about the the change of landscape and TV's running things, or is it the SBC? It actually is kind of a conference that 
with just the regional rivalries, it's still somewhat a, of a collegiate feel, you know, because I watch SEC games, P5 games, it just feels like this is big money. We're trying to be the NFL or something. At least it feels a little more collegiate, though. <laughs> it does, and there's also more of a, I think, of a camaraderie between the schools. and the, I mean, sure, there's rivalries, but there's the camaraderie of, you know, we're we're trying to beat each other, but we're all fighting big brother. <laughs> yep. That's indeed. So Rick, man, great stories. I mean, I, I can talk to you all day, man. So I just want to give you an opportunity, maybe any updates in the family life going on, any updates professionally, personally that you want to give the, the fans of Rick Cleveland? No, I mean, I'm, I'm just, I still feel fortunate to be doing what I'm doing. I am coming out with another book, co-authoring a book with, um, with my buddy Neil White, who's uh, you may have read his his great memoir, Sanctuary of Outcasts, uh, and he's a he's a publisher of, of Nautilus Publishing, and we're doing a book together. It's going to be the Big Book of Mississippi Football, and it's basically going to be an encyclopedia of um, the history of Mississippi football from day one to the present. Wow. High school, school, college, and the pros, it's going to come out this fall. And uh, I'm excited about that. Uh, So that's that's some news. Um, Other than that, I'm still still going to games and still writing about them. Yeah, putting smiles on a lot of people's faces. And I got to get that book, (laughs) The History of – Mississippi football with with you touching the pages, man. I, I, I got to get that book. Tell me what. I, I, I really, <laughs> I really do think it's going to be a, a a really enjoyable book for anybody that loves Mississippi football. And it's not it's not Ole Miss football or Southern Miss or Mississippi State. It's everybody, and it's high schools, colleges, pros. Um, I think it it's it's going to be a really good book. Like, yeah, but that's going to be a must read. I promise you that, people. Well, Rick, I mean, it, it's just such an honor to have you on. I mean, the amount of lives you've impacted me personally, the amount of you know, stories you've told that have just impacted others' lives. I mean, you just, Rick, it, it is an honor to have you on, man. And, uh, and any other closing comments, maybe for Southern Miss fans in particular, from the great Rick Cleveland, maybe, maybe that fan base in particular. No, I mean, you know, you, you've got something special. I mean, uh, Southern Miss, uh, a, lot of, a lot of great things going on right now. Uh, the president, Joe Paul, dear friend of mine, went to school with him at Southern Miss. He wants, I mean, it's in his, you know, it's in there. Uh, you know, I think they got the right guy in the football program. Uh, Will Hall's Mississippi to the core, and and um, he's won everywhere he's all ever been. His daddy was one of the greatest high school coaches in Mississippi here history. Um, you got Jay Ladner, who was part of an NIT championship team at Southern Miss, and um, how many games they went twenty six this year, something like that this past year. And then you're replacing you're replacing Scott Berry with with Chris Ostrand and the Wizard of Oz. I, I mean, you got a lot of good things going down there. Uh, 
I think people should embrace it and and um, and try to do what Joe Paul says: do leave it better than you found it. One of one of my favorite slogans around Southern Miss. So, Rick, once again, thank you so much for being on today. Absolute honor of mine, and and hopefully, I'll see you at a Southern Miss event or a game in the very near future. I hope so, Marshawn. I, I enjoyed uh, covering you as a player and and the great teams you played on and. Uh, um, you left a pretty good legacy there yourself, buddy. Well, I appreciate that. Every, every Sunday I had to read that newspaper article, and if Rick wrote about you, you know you did something good, man. <laughs> so, But, right. Rick, until next time, my man, I will catch up with you soon. Okay, buddy. Take care. Yes, sir. Well, hopefully you enjoyed those stories from the legendary Rick Cleveland, because I sure did. Well, that's it for another edition of Anyone, Anywhere, Anytime. And all I ask of you now, if you're enjoying the show, is to help spread the word of the show. Retweet it on social media. Share it with your friends via text with a nice message as well about hopefully how much you're enjoying the show. Well, until next time, as always, it's Southern Miss to the top.